You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Good morning. We come back in and find our seats. Um, I'm Nate, if I don't know you. Josh gets started, I'm going to lead us through a congregational prayer. I'm uh, almost used to standing up here in front of you, so thanks for the grace in that. Um, so bow your heads with me and spend a couple minutes in prayer. Lord God, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore our souls keep them. The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. We long for your spirit. Turn to us and be gracious to us, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep us steady, keep steady our steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over us. Redeem us from man's oppression, that we may keep your precepts. May your face shine upon your servants and teach us your statutes. Our eyes shed streams of tears because people do not know you and do not see your son. Father, we acknowledge that you are the source of justice. You are the source of light. In your sovereignty, you are before all things, and in you all things hold together. We also acknowledge this morning a broken world. We experience affliction, hardships, calamities, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. We've been watching these things on a global scale, all the way down to our homes and to our hearts. And Father, we are guilty of participating in them. We, your people, although set apart for righteousness and light, so often react in darkness. We lose sight of what our values are. Our tongues are restless and evil, full of deadly poison. We buy into conspiracies. We buy into dread. But, Father, you called us out of darkness into marvelous light. You call us to be Christ's ambassadors to a dark world through the expression of patience, genuine love, and truthful speech. Through our confession and repentance of sin, Your Holy Spirit empowers us to show love to our enemies, to pray for them, to forgive them, to seek reconciliation whenever possible. You are absolutely, or we are absolutely incapable of doing this without you, Lord. But the love of Christ moves us to, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live to themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Father, help us in our understanding of the gospel so that we may be satisfied to forgive as you have forgiven us and that we would be the people of light marked by compassion and marked by a spirit of reconciliation. And Father, help us in our understanding of your sovereignty. There is no authority except from you and those that exist have been instituted by you. Our leaders, our servants, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place, whether they know it or not. We boldly ask you to encounter Barack Obama. We boldly ask you to encounter Donald Trump. Transform their hearts and provide each of them with a godly wisdom. For we know that you desire for all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of your truth. In this especially, we ask for patience. May we, as well as our leaders, put our hope and confidence in Jesus Christ. For the Lord is the God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. We also ask you today to be with Josh as he leads us today, and that we ask that your spirit opens us up to hear truth. And in the name of Jesus, whom we love and in whom we have confidence, amen.
awesome opportunity of uh, talking with you guys today, having a, a message uh, at the end of a crazy busy series. Now, this, is, uh, this has been a crazy week uh, for all of us, all in, in different ways. And it is so good um, just to be able to come into this place uh, to sing songs about the reality of God, about His plan and about what He's doing, uh, to sit under prayers like Nate just prayed over us, and just have our hearts reminded that God is in control uh, when it seems like things are out of control. Uh, so that is just so good. That's why we come into this place to be reminded of the, the truth of the gospel. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up a series uh, today. It's been an eight-week series uh, called Crazy, Crazy, Crazy Busy. Um, and, and it comes at the end of a crazy, busy week, uh, ironically enough. And I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't seem like life has gotten any less crazier or less busier since we started this series. I mean, is, is anybody else there? Is it, is, am I the only one that's like, hang on a second, like I thought life was going like, to get easy after this series, and I wasn't going to be that busy, and things weren't going to be as crazy. But one of the interesting themes that kept coming up throughout this sermon series is this idea, uh, and Royce really hit on it last week, that uh, being Christian and being the people of God doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have uh, less problems in life. But we think like that many times. We think, I just got to hang in there long enough for things to get better. But that's not what this series has, has been about, right? As, as we look back on the last eight weeks, I really think about this, this idea of, you know, do I, do I really interact with God on a, on a daily basis? Or am I just living a life crazy busy outside of God? Because when we started the series, I kind of had this idea, uh, even when Royce first approached us with the, the Crazy Busy book and uh, approached me and said, hey, I think we should do this, this series on busyness because a lot of our people are dealing with it. I was like, great, we're going to read this book together. We're going to talk about it for the last uh, eight weeks, and then life will be less busy and life will, will, will be less, less crazy. But then I started reading the book, and I realized that's not why Kevin DeYoung had even written it. He even said that in the first chapter of the book, that the book isn't about you having a less busy life. The book in particular did help me personally understand why I'm so busy, right? It pointed out a lot of those things that I'm busy doing. And there were some really good practical truths that, ha- that, that I'm going to talk about kind of later in this message. But the big idea, the big takeaway for me, as I look back on the last eight weeks, was this idea that life isn't going to, to necessarily be less busy because I think we're busy doing good things, many of us are. But, but the big idea and the thing that kept coming up over and over again is we have to see God in the midst of the busyness, right? We have to regularly reconnect with God if we're going to be able to be sustained through this crazy, busy life. And, and I think for most of us, God many times becomes just an afterthought, right? We kind of run to God when everything else isn't working out in life. But I wonder what would change if daily we interacted with God. Daily we needed something that He had so desperately, like water, and we just came thirsting for God. I wonder how that would then change our perspective on all of the crazy busy things that we talked about throughout the series. 
you know, we talked about the many manifestations of pride that lead to our busyness. We talked about our obligations. We talked about priorities. We talked about our families, social media. We talked about Sabbath, just this idea of intentionally resting. And then last week, we talked about everyday trials that we, that we go through. Many, like I said, many of the, the things that we're busy with are good things, but the answer to all of these things, the answer to this crazy busy life is to regularly sit at the feet of Jesus. Regularly just have a relationship with him and let him feed you and let him nourish you. Our lives, they've got to have a, a regular rhythm of, of connecting with God and, and listening to God and, and learning from him. Like Royce said last week, we don't drift toward God, we drift away from Him. So every single day, I have to encourage and strengthen, like, I'm going to row, like, we're going to, I'm going to, you know, I got I to gotta know God more, I got to connect with God. There is something that He is calling us to do inside of that. I have to be intentional in my relationship with God. And I believe when we do that, it's going to have a positive impact on all the other relationships in our lives, all the other crazy busyness, whether it's with your, your coworkers, whether it's with your, your, um, your loved ones, uh, whether it's with our city and our culture and the disunity that we're facing in our culture today. The answer to all of that relational division is for you and me as God's people to regularly connect with God and our relationship with Him. So today we're going to look at a really short passage. It comes out of the book of Luke. It's in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. I invite you guys to stand as we read this passage of Scripture. As a church, this is something we do out of habit. It's how we show honor to God. That's why I invite you to do it. Uh, And uh, and as we read, we believe that that God's really speaking to our hearts. We believe, Hebrews 4.12, that the Word of God is living and active. And it is speaking to us. So let's uh, let's allow God to speak to us here through this little little narrative, this little story in, in Luke 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for your word. Uh, We do believe it's truth. We believe it has authority in our lives. So as we uh, listen and we're taught in your word, I pray you'd speak to our hearts, God. I pray you would open up our hearts and our minds to to any unbelief. Uh, Father, anything in our life that doesn't match up with the way that you've designed us to live, uh, would you bring that out during this time? Would you remind us of Jesus and his greatness during this time? In your name, amen. Thanks, guys. Have a seat. So this is a really common story. It's a story of, of two sisters uh, named, named Mary and Martha. Now, Martha uh, opens up her home uh, to allow Jesus and his entourage of disciples to come in. We don't know how many people this is. Jesus, in this passage, just sent out 72 disciples. And they all came back, kind of all, all excited, praising Jesus for the things that they were able to do. So this may be quite a, a big group that, that Martha has decided to, uh, to host, to open up her home to. Well, Martha decides to recruit the help of her sister, Mary, which is a really good idea if you're going to feed somewhere between 13 and 70, you know, 72 people. You might want to have some help in the kitchen. And so they all come over to Mary's house. And as, as usual, Jesus, he leverages every opportunity to, to talk. He was a very relational teacher in, in everyday life. 
So he comes down, they gather into a room, and a, a pe- group of people come in there, and, and he begins to teach. Well, Martha, man, she's running around like crazy. I got this group of people. I have to be a good host. And, uh, and she starts preparing this meal, which would have taken a while. It's, it's not like, you know, 30 minutes of prep. We're talking hours to get the bread made and to, to get the meat cooked and, and to get everything ready to, to, uh, for, to serve this group of people. So she's running around uh, like crazy. Well, what is Mary doing? She's just sitting there, right? I mean, Mary's the one that Martha asked to come and help to serve this meal. And Mary comes, and Jesus comes in, and he starts doing this teaching thing. And all of a sudden, Mary's like, bam, she comes right up to Jesus. And it says she sits at his feet, right? Well, obviously, this infuriates Martha. And I can identify with Martha. I mean, do we have a lot of Marthas in the room? You know, those of, those of us that like are the, the to-do people, that I, I got a plan, I got to get stuff done. We're not the dreamers, right? We're not the Marys. And, and Martha gets really, really frustrated because Mary's not helping her do anything. She's just sitting there. And, and I identify with that. When you're doing all the work and everybody else is just kind of talking, it can become really, really frustrating. So the two important things to note in this story as Martha was doing a really good thing, right? She's serving a meal to Jesus. Food is good. Dinner is good. It needed to get done. But notice the word that Luke, our author, chooses to describe the actions of Martha. Distracted. So Martha's the distracted one, but Mary isn't. Well, then you have Mary. Mary comes and it says that she literally sits down at the feet of Jesus. Once again, our author Luke has given us these these great details in in our story to, to teach us something. See, she knows that she has a responsibility to cook and prepare this meal. But but Mary literally cannot help herself. Jesus comes in, he starts teaching, and what Jesus has to say is so important to Mary that she will neglect all of the good responsibilities that she has. She, she's seen Jesus, she's heard a little bit of him. You know, um, uh, David in, in, in Psalm 34, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? She's tasted, and she's got to have more of Jesus. And so she comes, and she literally sits at the feet of Jesus. This would be a sign of, of a person having authority, Right? Jesus is the rabbi in this Jewish culture, and she's sitting at the feet of the rabbi and saying, you've got something that I have got to hear. This is so important for us to think about these two different characters in this story. Because we all, on a regular basis, are sitting at the feet of someone. I really believe that. I believe that we're always allowing someone to speak into our lives. And you may be sitting at the feet of Ellen DeGeneres on a regular basis, or you may be sitting at the feet of Lars Larson on a regular basis because you allow those people to have some authority in your life, to speak into your life. We have to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's what Mary chooses to do. Now, going back to this word, notice, notice the word again that Luke uses for Martha. It's the word distracted. It's the most important word in the whole story. Like I said, you would think that Mary was the distractive one. She wasn't getting her responsibilities done. And Martha was the, was the good steward, right? She was a servant. But that's not how Jesus looks at it. And, and Martha, obviously real frustrated about this whole interaction, she comes up to Jesus, which is pretty astonishing. I mean, you think about it. Big group of people. Jesus is teaching. Mary's just sitting there. And Martha comes in in this huff. And she looks at Jesus. She says, Lord, 
do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Like you can feel for Martha, can't you? Inside of this story. And Jesus, in return, he, he looks at Martha and he says her name twice. Jesus does this multiple times throughout his, his teaching ministry. He does it to, uh, to Peter in, uh, in, in the book of Matthew. He says, Simon, Simon, when they're talking about, when, when Matthew doesn't, or I'm sorry, when Peter doesn't understand that Jesus is going to go to the cross, uh, he calls him Simon. Uh, Simon Barjoni says, Simon, Simon. And the same thing here, it's, a, it's kind of a term of endearment. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Man, that is so important in this story. The fact that Jesus believes that one thing is necessary should stand out to us. Now, I think that we all believe that something is necessary. You can look at my life every single day and you can see that I believe something is necessary. You guys want to know what I believe is necessary? It's necessary that I get up every day and go to work. Because if I don't, I will lose my standard of living. So I have disciplined myself to get up every day. I set an alarm clock. I shove a bunch of coffee down my throat. And I go, I go to the office, right? It's like 20 feet from my bed. It's brutal 20 feet, though, to get to the office. But I do it every day because I, I, it's going to produce something that's good in my life, right? I believe that it is necessary that I foster my relationship with Jamie, my wife, right? Because if I don't, she's going to leave me. She, I, can't, I can only neglect her for so long before she's like, okay. Well, I, not that I think you would leave me or anything like that, but it's just the way that we're wired as human beings. You can't neglect another person and that not affect your relationship with them, Right? I think it's necessary that I teach my children uh, to obey. Why? Because I don't want them to grow up and be heathens, right? I mean, I don't want them to grow up and be these little rebellious kids. And so I teach them. It's necessary that I teach my kids to obey. Now, this one's going to be a stretch for you guys, but I believe that it's necessary to eat right. I believe that it's necessary to eat right because I don't want to die of congestive heart failure, right? And so I make choices because it's necessary for my life. I know what is necessary. But here's the thing. What I really believe is necessary is just demonstrated in my time. It's demonstrated in how I use my time every single day. And that just begs a huge question. That do you and I believe that it is actually necessary to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him? If I followed you around, for a week, and you didn't know it, right? Would your life say that you believe that it is necessary to sit at the feet of Jesus and foster a relationship with God? Now, the main way that we foster a relationship with God, that we sit at the feet of Jesus, that we reconnect in the midst of this crazy, busy world is right here. It's in God's Word, right? If God spoke, and we believe that God spoke, and we believe that that was recorded, if God spoke, it would be foolish not to listen to Him, wouldn't it? But how many of us are living a foolish life, allowing everybody else to have authority in our life and everybody else to speak into our lives, but not regularly listening to God? I said earlier, Hebrews 4.12, right? The Word of God is, is uh, active, 
right? The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit of the joint and the marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's no other way to connect with God and listen to Him more than His Word. You can go on walks with God. That is awesome. I love going on walks with God and looking at the beautiful fall leaves. We did that this past week on Savi Island on Veterans Day. It's an awesome time of connecting with God. I love listening to music that allows me to connect with God, right? I love being with other people who are going to talk to me about God. But there's nothing in the world, and that passage of Scripture says none of those other things are active and living, except for the Word of God. This is how we connect with Him on a daily basis. We listen to God. Now, that is going to look different for all of us. Now, some of you guys are going to like, I'm going to read the Bible in a year, which I think is awesome to have that type of commitment. It'd be hard for me to read the Bible in a year. I'll be honest with you guys. But something that I can do, I can spend some time every single day, 10 minutes, right? I can start with a book of the Bible. I'm just going to read through this book, right? I just got done with 1 Corinthians and my just personal devotion time of, of getting up every day with my cup of coffee in 1 Corinthians and just working through that book. It was so encouraging for me. A couple of scriptures in a minute are going to come out, are going to come out from that time. Some of you can listen to, to the Bible while you ride in the car. How many of us don't ride in the car, go to work? What are you listening to? Who has authority in your life that's speaking into your life during that time? Are you regularly sitting at the feet of Jesus? Uh, Royce pointed out a new Bible to me called the Reader Bible. I don't know if any of you guys have gotten this new Bible. It's basically the Bible without all the numbers in it. And so it's read like a normal book, it's, which the Bible is. It's a book, right? The book of God. Maybe that would be helpful for you to have that. Take out all the other stuff and just read it like a narrative. Use that resource. This book we put up in front of you guys a lot, the ESV Study Bible. We have it out in, the, out in our foyer out there. You can pick it up, and it helps you to listen to God. It helps you understand exactly what God is saying. You got to think really, really practical. You know yourself better than anybody else. When is this going to happen in your life? I'm a very task-oriented person. So for me, it had to be something task-related if I was going to do it. And luckily, we have a productivity worksheet, which is just makes me happy that there even is a productivity worksheet. A few sermons in to this message, uh, Royce referenced this, and then we handed it out to our home community leaders. And, uh, and as our home community, we went through it and filled it out. It basically says, think about all your roles and your responsibilities. And then think about how in each of those roles and responsibilities— what does it look like to, uh, to kind of accomplish the purpose that God has placed you here for in that particular role? So my roles were like, personally, to lead myself, to lead my family. I'm an elder in this church. I'm a, I'm a servant of God. I'm a, I'm a part of the family of God, but I'm also an ambassador for God, right? These are my roles. And then I thought through what that meant in each of those roles. And then it came to these little mission statements of like, what's like one brief statement that says, this is what it means to live out that role? right? That was what the activity was. Well, then on the back, I had my home group write, what's one real practical step that you can take in each of those roles that you have tomorrow? What are you, what are you going to do? And there was this one for me when I thought about being a servant of God 
And I believe the primary way in our, in our model here at Red Sea, we say there's three ways that we, that we uh, draw to Christ, that we get to know God more. It's through prayer, worship, and, and, the, and the scriptures, the Bible. That's how we do it. And so I said, well, what's a real practical way that I can read my Bible? And here's what I came up with. This is, you guys got to write this down. I mean, this is, this is mind-blowing. I said, I cannot read my email until I read my Bible. That was my one real practical step because reading my email is the day has begun, right? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get out my to-do list and I'm going to pull up my email and I'm going to say, what are we going to get done today? And so for me, I said, I cannot read my email until I read my Bible. And I can't tell you guys how helpful that's been over the last six weeks as I will literally sit down and pull up my computer and I'm like, okay, let's go. Oh, and it's like right there by my computer. It's on the wall. I've got it pinned up. And I say, okay, and I'll open up God's Word, and I'll, I've been spending time in the book of 1 Corinthians, and it has been beautiful to see how that's had effects on all other areas of my life over the, la- over the last six weeks. It's got to be really practical. You've got to believe that it's going to help, and you've got to take real, real practical steps. See, when we do that, when we take that time to regularly sit at the feet of Jesus, you know what we get? Jesus says it's the good portion. So when, when Martha came and, and said, Jesus, you know, Mary's not helping me. He said, you know, Martha, Martha, y- you don't understand. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and that will not be taken away from me. That was so helpful for me to think of. This is the good portion. Everything else just maybe busyness. It's just a stuff that I have to get done. It's good stuff, but it's not the good portion. This is a good portion. And the crazy thing is, he says that it is even more important than serving. Right? Even more important than you serving your family is you being in God's Word. That is the good portion. Man, I want to believe that. I want to think that way. This time that we have together as a church every Sunday, and I'm so grateful that you guys are here, this is, this is a good portion, right? We're, we're doing those three things. We're in prayer, worship, and scripture. We do it every single week as a church. We come to this place. We sit under the authority of God's word. We allow God's word to speak to us. It's a good portion. It is, it is filling to us. But if this is the only time in your week that you are sitting at the feet of Jesus, it's like eating a one meal a week and thinking it's going to nourish you. It's foolish. And you're going to burn out and and change in your life is going to happen so painfully and slowly if you're not sitting at Jesus' feet and letting him nourish you and letting him fill you up. If if I'm not regularly being filled, I'm just not going to have anything to give. Or actually, what's coming out of me is going to be only what I have the strength to give, right? It's going to be Josh, and it's not going to be God or anything else. It's been helpful for me to think about my relationship with God as a balloon. Just real, real practical here. Um, I believe that, just, uh, 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 before I say this, God can fill you any way he may choose. He may supernaturally choose to fill you like he does to Samson in the Old Testament, right? You can have supernatural fillings of God that God's just like, bam, you know, and and can go on and do amazing things. The majority of the time, God and our relationship with him is something that has to be fostered. We have to, we have to work at it, right? So I believe it's kind of like a balloon. We, uh, right? A balloon can hold 
More air or less air? So if, if, if this is the balloon, I believe, I mean, if this is us, I believe that God can literally fill us. So we can be like, you can be like filled this much with God, or I believe you can be filled more with God. I believe you can be filled a lot with God. And the primary way in which we do that, I believe, is in His Word. It allows us to fill Him. So here's what we're going to do as a little analogy. We're going to have a balloon blowing up competition. So I need one person who thinks they can beat me at blowing up balloons. And all we're going to do is we're going to do, we're just going to blow them up. And Jesse, we're going to blow them up and let them go. You don't have to tie them. But someone, Jesse wants to do it, uh, someone that thinks they can, they can just blow up balloons. Who, who's up for the challenge? You want to try it, Noah? It's okay. I'm old, man. Come on up here. Okay, Noah. Give it up for Noah. Okay, you're going to be over here. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to blow them up, right? And then you just let it go when it gets full. You don't have to tie it, and it's just going to go, and it's going to fly away, okay? That's all you got to do. These are yours, so get them close by. Stand over here by your balloons. Yeah, oh yeah. Once you blow it up, let it go, do the next one. Blow it up, let it go, okay? We got 12 balloons. We're going to see who can get through the first 12 balloons first. You ready? On your mark, get set. Wait a second. Wait. Hang on. I just don't go anywhere. I just got to grab something real quick, and I'll be right back. Hang on, I got a kink. <clears throat> what? Oh, I dropped one of them? Well, you'd beat me then. We can't have that happen. It would like ruin my analogy. <laughs> okay. You ready? On your mark, get set, go. Are you blowing them up all the way? The way. I got a watch over there. I have to go all the way. This is easy. Are you getting tired yet, Noah? You're doing good. You're almost there. You know, this is making my arm hurt. So you are, you are really hanging in there good, buddy. You're turning red, a little red. Okay, you're almost there. I'll be honest with you, dude. If that was an adult, they would have passed out by now. Okay, let's go. We're almost there. I got my green one to finish her off. You can do it. What? That one didn't look like it blew up at all. I don't get it. Ah! Hey, that was a good effort, buddy. Awesome. Have a seat. 
That's why adults don't volunteer for my analogies. Oh, there you go. You, you want the yellow one? There's an orange one. You can have an orange one. See, here's the thing, and here's the point of the analogy. You can try to fill yourself, and you'll only be able to do so much, right? And, and, and literally, I think when we try to fill ourselves and we say, I, just got, I can do this, I can just hang in there and get through this, we tend to kind of puff ourselves up, and then it's not long before, you know, and, and, you're, and you're right back to where you are. The point of the analogy is you have to be connected to something greater than yourself if you're going to be able to sustain the crazy busy life that we're all called to live and to honor God inside of, right? It's pretty interesting when you think about where Kevin DeYoung put this, I mean, where uh, Kevin DeYoung, where Luke put this passage, and Kevin DeYoung made this point in the book. He said that when you look at, at the placement of this particular story, what else do you see happening in that chapter? Well, you look earlier in the chapter and you see Jesus sending out these 72 disciples for the first time. These are just the guys that he's called that are uneducated. And he said, I want you to go out and I want you to, to preach the good news of the kingdom, call people to repentance. And they go out. They not only do that, they're able to heal people. They're able to cast out spirits that are inside of people. And the disciples come back amazed. They're like, can you believe what we just did? Well, then the next story is the story of the Good Samaritan, another real popular story. In the story of the Good Samaritan, you have this guy who's able to do an amazing act of generosity to someone that he shouldn't have to, he had no obligation to, but he did it. And then Jesus includes this last story of Mary and Martha, and Martha, Mary having the good portion of just sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's no coincidence in those stories. That the people in the stories were able to do the things they were able to do because they were connected to God. And we've got to regularly be connected to God. There's something that we have to daily receive from God that we need. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-2. He says, and, and after in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it's messy. There's all types of disunity going on in the church, all types of fighting going on in the church, and, and Paul's working through all these issues with this group of people. And then he says this almost right at the end of the book. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, in which you received, in which you stand, and in which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Look at those descriptive words there. Paul says, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel to you. You receive it, but then you stand in it, and you being in it is saving you. It's a continual act of what God is doing, of saving and restoring you. And you are to hold fast to that word, gospel word. The Bible, we have, to, we have to get up every single day and say, okay, I believe that I'm going to receive something from God, and that thing that I'm going to receive, I'm going to stand in it in the midst of all the ad- adversity that's going on in my life, and that act of standing and that faith is going to continually save me as I hold fast to God and His Word. Man, it, it, that completely changes the way that I spend my time, doesn't it? And what I think is important and where I think the good portion comes from in my life. See, Martha, she gave something to Jesus. And Mary received something, something from Jesus. You cannot give something out that you haven't received from him. 
And I think the, 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 the measure in which we give something out is only given out by the, by the measure in which we receive it. And God so generously has spoken, and it was meticulously recorded over many thousands of years. He spoke, but he didn't speak just thousands of years ago. We believe that God is still speaking today. And when I, when I open up this book uh, or I listen to it, I believe literally that God speaks to me. And it says that it changes my heart. It, it renews my heart as I'm reminded of the greatness of Jesus. Right? We're going to come and take communion. I'm sorry. We're going to come and receive communion here. We have to really be careful about that language because communion is not something that we take. It's something that we receive because it's been given to us. Paul also says this in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's do that right now as a church. Let's come to the tables and let's proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that something was done for us that we could not do for ourselves, that we received something from God. And then my prayer for us as a church that we will wake up every day with a thirst for more of God. And the cool thing about God is you can't have enough of Him, right? He, you never exhaust Him. You're never completely filled in Him. It's a daily journey of getting more and more of Him. We're going to sing a song called Cornerstone here. Uh, and I love this song because it's such a good reminder for us in the midst of chaos that what we believe is built on Jesus, right? As our, as our, he's the strong foundation that we stand upon and it cannot be shaken and it cannot be moved. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. It doesn't matter what's going on in our culture. We have a, a strong foundation to stand upon as God's people. So let's come take communion. Let's sing the song together. Let's pray. Father, thank you that Jesus is our, is our cornerstone. Thank you that, that you had this great plan to display an amazing act of grace that you thought up even before the world was created, that you would create a group of people and they would rebel against you, but you allowed that so that you could show them your goodness and your grace and your mercy. So now we come to the tables and we look back upon that act of grace and mercy. We remember that we were once far off from you and you've brought us near. And we taste and we see that you're good. And then every day we wake up and we want more and more of you. And you give more and more of yourself. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for that work you're doing through Jesus. In which we stand, in which we're being saved, in which we hold fast to now. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at